At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. Let mom's green thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 at The Home Depot. How doers get more done. It's the Son of a Butch podcast. We come to you every Wednesday. This week's guest, Richard Bland, playing on the Live Tour. Richard, longtime European DP World Tour player. I can never get used to calling it. DP world. It's the European tour. Um, but that's where Richard Bland spent the majority of his career. And in his late forties, he's now in his fifties. He made the decision to go to live. And he talks about, um, outgoing DP world chairman, commissioner, Keith Pelly. Keith Pelly told him, listen, if I'm you at your age, I take the deal. He talks about it. And, um, listen, Richard's not one of those guys that got a ton of money, um, it was just a decision to where it was like, okay, this is an opportunity. I'm going to take it. Uh, he's on the cliques, Martin Keimer's team. And listen, he's playing really, really, really good golf, even at this stage of his career. And I can tell you, um, he kind of used my, um, used the Floridian where I teach, um, to kind of spend the, the last three weeks. His coach, Tim Barter, who, um, commentates for sky they came over um and i watched this guy grind for the last month and even in his 50s he's probably working harder now than he ever has and he wants to to continue to play well and i think he's got a very very interesting story and like i said he's not a superstar he's not someone that got the live bag got all the money um it was a choice that he made he talks about it um i've known richard for a long time i've watched his career and uh, this is a really, really good podcast. Some really candid things that he talks about and um, something I think you all will listen and enjoy. So Richard Bland this week on Son of a Butch. My guest is a, I mean, Richard, you are a veteran of professional golf. You turned pro in 1996, got onto the European tour, I think in 20, in 2002. If I'd have told you in 2024, you'd still be playing competitive golf at the highest level, would you have believed me? Uh, probably not, no. But, uh, you know, I think it's it's every kid's dream, you know, that, that's growing up playing golf that they want to play at the highest level for um, for as long as they can. So, you know, it's something that I'm proud of that I'm still going at nearly 51. So I must be doing something right. And... Uh, yeah, it's it's been uh, yeah, it's been a journey. There's been some ups and downs, but um, yeah, I wouldn't change it for anything. I mean, obviously, it's easy to always look at the icons and the superstars of of competitive golf, but there are certainly more people like yourself than there are of these guys that the the public sees 
flying around on private jets and, you know, having this amazing kind of superstar lifestyle, both on the PGA Tour, the European Tour, the Challenge Tour, the Corn Ferry, ladies all over the world, the tours are really made up of a lot of people that are somewhat the fabric of what those tours are because the John Roms, the Rory's, the Scotty Schefflers, they're, they're, they're outliers. Yeah. They are, they are very unique, unique people. Yeah. But there are a lot of people that, that get into golf. And I think it's easy when we look at careers, Blandy, um, you haven't won a major, you haven't won multiple times all over the world. It's easy to look at that and go, Oh, okay, well, that isn't a great career. But as Pat Perez has said, he, he said this to me many times, people always say, well, you only won three or four times. And he always says, well, try winning once. Yeah. I don't think pe- the great ones, the Ernie's, the Tigers, the Greg Normans, the Nick Faldo's of, that, of the past generation, and then the guys doing it today, um, Rory, Scotty Scheffler, Brooks, they make it look so easy. And they make winning look very, very difficult you won your first tournament in 20 what was it 2021 yeah i mean how many starts it was like almost 500 478 478 starts you played some great golf throughout your career and didn't win yeah when you did finally get that breakthrough at the british masters in 21 at the belfry which is an iconic kind of old school kind of uk old european tour golf course they had a bunch of tournaments there. They had Ryder Cups there. What do you remember about that week and what surprised you about that week to get your first win? Because I'm always fascinated when you do finally break through. And I ask this question all the time. Is it different than you thought it was going to be? Did you play the best you've ever played that week? What was it about that week that in the almost... 470 something other weeks tournaments it wasn't your week yeah um i think i think one of the things that really helped me that week we, we were still playing in COVID, and we'd just come off a five-week stretch so there was a there was a six-week stretch the last tournament was was the belfry so i just i'd been away from home for five weeks not allowed out the hotel uh, because you guys were much more in, on the european tour the DP World Tour now. Um, you guys were much more draconian and stringent yeah, with COVID because we, we were going we from were country the, to country. That's right. In the you US, know, we were just going from state to state. Yeah, you know, every country had a different regulation, different testing process, or, or or whatever. You know, we were getting tested two, three times a week, every week, and um, we were we were coming back on a on a chartered plane that the tour had chartered, and it was arriving into Birmingham at about two o'clock in the morning and and this and the and i remember the belfry was a wednesday to saturday start and the and the flight landed at like two o'clock on monday uh or say tuesday morning and i'd played the belfry before plenty of times so i i kind of felt like you know what i didn't really need a practice round and i and i'd played okay over the five weeks i hadn't played great but i think i had one top 10 and maybe another top 20 in the five weeks so uh yeah the game was okay and I just, I said to my girlfriend at the, t- the time, who's now my wife, I said, can you come and pick me up? I want to go home. I just, you know, loads of guys are just going straight to the hotel and straight into the bubble again. I said, I just need, I need like 12 to 15 hours out of it. I need a night in my own bed. I just need to get back home. And I then just traveled up on the Tuesday night and started Wednesday. 
and I never do that at a tournament. I mean, you even though I didn't feel I needed the preparation because I just played for five weeks, but I just needed to be at home for a little bit. So I drove up in the afternoon and uh, and just started Wednesday. But then there was another funny thing that happened that week. I was walking down the range on the Wednesday and I passed a good friend of mine, uh, played amateur golf with him, a guy called David Howell, had an unbelievable yeah, thrill. And he, and he said, you can't, he said, Blandy, he says, I need to stop. He said, he said, you're never going to believe this. He said, I had a dream last night. He said, you win your first golf tournament. He said, I don't know when, I don't know what tournament it was, but you're going to win. You're like, I'd had that. I've had at that dream point, a lot too. At some point <laughs> I've, I've dreamt. He said, it was so vivid. You win your first golf tournament. And four days later, there I am holding the trophy. So, uh, but I, I just, I, I, I honestly believe that just that, 12, 15 hours at home just to unpack the suitcase, sleep in your own bed for seven, eight hours and just have a cup of tea and just be at home. I reset. Just, just reset. It just, I, I don't think the, the fans and, and people listening to this, this podcast, if you don't travel as much as that, that we all do, the travel, it wears you down. Oh, yeah. And if you can, I mean, one of the things that, Yes, the the private jet travel is on the PGA Tour that a lot of the superstars are lucky enough to do is the ultimate luxury. But it was Greg Norman who learned that from Jack Nicholas. Nicholas had his own jet. Palmer had his own jet. Greg got his own jet. I remember when Tiger was turning pro, he, my dad was still working with Greg and Greg said to Tiger, invest in private jet travel, especially in America. Because he said... It will, you can get home. And if you can get a night at home, he said, you'll have a family one day. But it's that one night. So I'm lucky enough to travel an enormous amount with, with Brooks and DJ. And I'm lucky enough, we do a lot of it privately. But what it does, it gets us to and from work faster. But there are times to where we're playing the following week, but we get home. Yeah. And if you can get a night with the family with your dogs, with your kids, with your wife, girlfriend, sleep in your own bed, get up, make a cup of coffee in your own home. The, the reset that that can give you is enormous. Yeah. It really is. Yeah, it's huge. Yeah, I've always, like, especially with Europe, where, um, yeah, I, I'm fortunate. I've always sort of, I, I live in the, 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 the south of uh, England, so we've always got Heathrow and Gatwick, which are fairly close to, uh, to me. Um, so you can pretty much, certainly in Europe, you know, Heathrow is a, is a huge hub, so you can get to pretty much anywhere most times a day. Um, so even if we were playing in the, even if we were playing in the same country, if we had say two tournaments in Italy, I would travel home on the Sunday night. If I got, if I, I, I hated being at a tournament in Europe on a Monday, I'd hate it. I'd be Wednesday. I'd be like, right, let's go. Come on. I need to go. You know, Wednesday was just a, a, a brain dead day. And so many times, you know, if I, if I okay, during COVID, we kind of had to do it. And you, and okay, so mentally you kind of got your head around it that that's what you're going to have to do. But if you didn't have to do it, I hated doing two weeks on the road in, in, uh, in Europe where I didn't go home. You know, it's just that get home, unpack, repack, have that day at home, whether you go work on your game or you sent your clubs on to the next event, um, it just, it, you, you, like you say, you just pre you draw a line under the sand of the last event, press the reset button, and then go again. Okay, it might mean you're, you're getting up at four o'clock on a Tuesday morning. Okay, to go and get an early flight, so then you can go, go play the practice round on 
um, play nine on Tuesday, Tuesday afternoon. Yeah. You know, and, and some people might say, well, you know, why not just stay out and then do it? But for me, it just kind of messed the whole week up. You know, I was just Wednesday, I was ready to go. And then I'd come Thursday. I don't know. I was just kind of, I, I just felt like I was out of sync and so many, and a few times that I did do it, uh, you know, the second week I'd missed the cut. I haven't played, maybe played quite well in the first week. I'd missed the cut just because I was, I was just out of sync the whole week. So it was just right. If I can get home, I'm going home. Doesn't matter. You know, I, I've been, I did it from an Emirates flight once. We came back from Morocco and the Emirates flight was like four hours later. And I just went, I'm going to go home for an hour. I just went home for an hour and then just went back to the airport just to go. I don't want to go from one terminal to the other. I just went, I'm going to go home for an hour and then I'm going to come back. So that week at the Belfry, I mean, you'd played so many tournaments. You'd kind of, you'd been one of those players that, you know, wasn't necessarily a stigma, but you'd had a good career, lost your card a couple of times, but you'd always made a living playing for professional golf. You've got this idea in your mind what winning your first tournament is going to be like that sunday what was the sunday like did were you were you in the lead no i was um i think i was tied or one behind on saturday and i shot i think i shot level par on saturday and hold nothing i, I played tee to green probably the week i played best tee to green i've ever played yeah, uh, I made one bogey all week, and that was, like I said, I missed from about two and a half feet for par on one hole. I think on the about the eighth, seventh, or eighth hole on Saturday, um, and I, I just missed everything. And, um, and 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 another thing that happened before, yeah, I've been, you know, Tim, my coach. I've been with him for my whole career on tour, so twenty two, twenty three years now, and he's never he's never done this in. The whole time I've been with him, he texts me on the, so the Friday night, because we were Saturday for He said, if you want to win this, you've got to go and shoot 66 tomorrow. He said, so you have to be better on the greens. He said, if you want to win, that's the number you've got to go shoot. And I shot 66 on, on Saturday. Okay, that got me into the playoff. But I just, just, just a couple of things that week, the, the Dave Howell thing and then Tim doing that. He's never done it since. He's never done it. You know, it, it went out a couple of times. I've had a... You know, I, I've had chances since and what have you. Like, I, I lost in the playoff at um, uh, at Dubai the next year. Yeah, you know, with he never, he, you know, Victor Hovland. Yeah, he never, he never texts me the night before <laughs> saying, "Look, this is what you got to do tomorrow." Thanks, Tim. Yeah. So, um, so I think, yeah, I think he's just going to leave it at that one. That it was just a, a one-hit wonder there. But uh, yeah, you know, I knew, you know, I, I played pretty good on the front nine. I think I went out in about three under. I made a really good par save on nine. I hold from about 15 foot for par on nine, which really then kind of kept my momentum. And I birdied 10, the short hole around the corner. Um, and then, yeah, you know, and, I, and then I kind of, I, I stole one at 12, the long par three. You know, we're playing, it's, it's pretty damp and um, sort of a typical English day, you know, sort of drizzle, ball not going very far. I remember I, I hit, busted a three iron to about 30 feet short of the flag and, and hold it. And, uh, and then, yeah, you know, I hold, uh, you know, I hold a beauty on 18. Yeah. Which I probably thought at the time, you know, I, I hit my tee shot, which only just cleared the water as maybe a few people just see. Uh, and I, and as I was walking around, that's I, a tough finish. Oh, at the it's, Belfry. It's, it, it was horrible. It's as a well tough the finish. Kind of dog leg, yeah. kind of from right to left. There's water off the tee. There's water on the second yeah. shot. The landing area, when you're back in that little hollow there, I remember the, the Ryder Cups that the U.S. both lost there. There was one year that they lost, and 
it seemed like every U.S. player rinsed it in the water. Going, All the matches went down to the last. And then in, um, I think, in the early 90s, that's the, la- that's the first Ryder Cup I ever went to. Um, Davis Love hold the, the winning putt on the 18th hole. But that 18th at the oh, Belfry is yeah. a tough driving hole. Well, they've actually put a new tee further, even further back Thanks now. for that. And I remember when, when I teed off there, we, it, was, it wasn't very nice. You know, it was a bit of, like you say, there was drizzling in the air. And, and I back off the tee shot. And people had said to me, oh, what was it? Were you nervous? I said, no. I said, the face of the driver, I could see the face of the driver was a little wet. And we all know that you, know, you get a little bit of moisture on the face. The ball can literally go anywhere. Screw I mean, go, go anywhere. absolutely anywhere. So it was, I actually kind of tried to dry the face. And um, and then, yeah, I, you know, I, so I was walking around the water. It's quite a sort of longish walk around the water to get to your t-shirt i thought if i can just if i can how some make three i think that's good because i was i think i was leading by one and i thought if the weather stays like this it's going to be pretty tough to beat i thought i can't see myself losing and i hit i think i hit a four iron about 25 feet right of the flag on the middle tier and then yeah i just probably hit the sweetest part of my career um and of course then yeah, sometimes the golf and gods go against you. It literally, probably from doing my interviews and my interview, then the sun comes out and it's absolutely, you know, I was hitting some balls on the range and it's perfect. I've, I've taken everything off. You know, I'm practicing in a short sleeve shirt. And you're like, really? You know? Now it's perfect. <laughs> yeah. You know, am I ever going to, you know, come on, give me a break. But, uh, you know, fortunately, uh, you know, it worked out. You got it done. In, um was the sense relief? Was the sense what was it? Because you've played so long, yeah, you, and you you'd had such a long career at that stage, and and really twenty twenty one after being on the European tour DP World for I still can't get used to calling it the the, the damn DP. No, World. Me, no, me I neither. Mean, but you'd been there for almost two decades. Was it finally or? This is what I was... I, I wonder what that feeling was. I think, you know... Uh, Validation? Yeah, I, th- I think more, you know, as, as everything kind of sunk in, it was more, I think, just the satisfaction. The satisfaction. You know, we all, you know, we kind of... You know, we all know we can do it. You know, and yeah, you know, I, I, I'll be the first to admit, you know, there was, there was occasions, yet, you know, you, you get in your own way. And when you do that and you don't win, the next time you want it, it's almost like you put too much pressure on yourself that even the next time, because you want it that much more. And, you know, and, and it's, and it's, a, I think it's a very, very hard thing to do. It's almost like, yeah, the more you care about it, you can the more try you, too you, hard. You've got to, you've got to care less yeah. in, in, in that respect. And, uh, so yeah, I think it was just that satisfaction that you finally did do it. And, and, and just that, uh, it's not, like a cockiness or a brash or anything like that, but then you just have that inner. I think it just takes your inner confidence to just to a, to another level. At Bed Three Six Five, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get one hundred and fifty dollars in bonus bets when you bet just five dollars. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Okay. I love Walker Hayes. He's amazing. He's so fun. Such a great entertainer. 
And that's why I'm so excited that JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. The Walker Hayes for JCPenney collection is an upbeat playlist of instant classics with laid-back appeal and down-home vibes. As a dad of seven kids, he knows exactly what fathers want and need when it comes to their style. This collection reflects his casually cool styles with outdoor-inspired details and versatile colors. Perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man, along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th, just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. This is Colin Coward from The Herd with Colin Cowherd. Angie's list is now Angie, the nation's largest home service marketplace. They're here to help homeowners get all their jobs done well. Angie has helped over 150 million homeowners care for their homes. Whatever your home project, big, small, indoor, outdoor, come to Angie to connect with and hire skilled pros to get the job done well. Listen, I've got a couple of things in a bathroom in my house. Got to get it fixed. I don't have time and I'm not good at it. Angie is. In just a few taps. In the Angie app or clicks on the site, you can have Angie tackle your home service project start to finish. With over 200,000 pros in their network, Angie makes it easy to research, compare, and hire pros to ensure a job done well. With 29 years of experience combined with new digital tools to simplify the process, Angie makes completing home projects really easy. Renters, you can use Angie too for moving, installations, or cleaning. Angie can even help with extremely specific projects. Just tell them what you need, and Angie will find the right solution for you. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I.com, or download the app today. If you've won a tournament on tour, people look at you different. Yeah. I don't care what tour you're playing on. No. If you are a winner and you have won... People look at you differently. You get treated differently. You get different pairings. But there is a knowing look yeah. for somebody. Yeah. And I'm sure, having been on tour for so long in Europe, the acceptance and the... So many people were happy for you for, yeah, yeah, yeah. for that win. Yeah. I mean, because you'd been a part of the tour for so long. So the old guard were happy for you. And then the young guard were happy for you as well. Yeah. No, it was... Uh... Yeah, you know, the, the, the amount of messages that I got, you know, the next sort of week just completely blew me away. I mean, and, and legends of the game, you know, Freddie Couples, uh, you know, putting it on social media. I think Vijay Singh did it, uh, even Phil. Um, guys I'd never even met before. Yeah, I'd never even met Phil at that point. And of course, I'd played in majors and seen him, but not someone that I would go up to and, and say, hi, you know, he, he wouldn't know who I was. Um so that that was, um, you know, that was that was really nice. But I think I think the thing that really got me was the messages that I got from people that, not not necessarily golfers, but whatever walk of life they were in, and they were kind of like, I'm going to keep going. Yeah. You know, there's times when I've gone. You know what? Am I doing the right thing? Am I on the right path? And you've now proved to me that I'm going to keep going down the path that I'm on. And that was that blew me away. Those those messages are still on my phone now and will remain on there forever. And um, that uh, and it it honestly it took it, there were thousands. I mean, literally thousands. People you don't know. Yeah, my wife my wife was so understanding because I was literally for 
yeah, I had a week off um, straight after. And, pro you know, obviously there was a lot of media to do and Sky and that kind of stuff. And I was just, these, just hundreds of messages were coming through every day. And I was reading and I read every single one. I didn't reply to all of them. Um, you know, I kind of put a message out there basically saying thank you to everybody yeah. um, that I couldn't reply to every single one. I'd probably be still replying now. Um, and that, that, that kind of really meant a lot that, you know, that some people, you know, they took the, they watched and that they, they were crying, right. you know, um, you, you kind of like when you're coming you're down the stretch and you're in that, you, you like you, and, and I, I, nothing prepared me for that. Right. Nothing prepared. I, I wasn't expecting that. I'm just a guy that's just won a golf tournament. So what really in the grand scheme of things, um, I wasn't prepared for that, you know, so, and, and some of them quite emotional. That 2021 year was your breakout year after being on tour for almost two decades. You lead the U.S. Open at um, in San Diego that John Rahm won at Torrey Pines. You're 48 years old. You're leading the U.S. Open after two rounds. Yeah. Um, confidence, and, and I say this a lot on the podcast, but we talk about it as, a lot. In the professional game at the elite competitive level, confidence, they always, it's a cliche, you can't put a price tag on it. But it is so true. Mm. You get your first win, gets you into, you got into, you broke the top 50 in the world for the first time in your late 40s. I mean, that doesn't, that doesn't normally happen like that, right? Was it hard, Blandy, over the career that you had that you didn't have the success that obviously everybody wants? Was it hard to not try and make changes? You and Tim Barter, your longtime um, coach who, is a commentator on, on Sky for the American listeners. If you watch Golf Channel, um, he's the guy, you know, at the DP World Tournaments doing the interviews. You and Tim have been together forever. It was, it was funny. I saw not long after you won Danny Willett because Danny was the host yeah. of the tournament at um, at the Belfry. And I saw Danny and I saw him. I said, man, what an amazing story. And he was like, you couldn't script it any better, right? I mean, for Blandy to win, for... Tim Barter, who's his coach, yeah. to be the guy that interviewed him. Yeah. You know, they'd been together for so long. And then, you know, we talked about him. We were walking away. And then as I was walking away, uh, Danny shouted at me. And he's like, I'm still trying to figure out how Tim kept his job for that long. If The guy's never won in 20 years. But it was an amazing story. And, and it vaulted you to kind of a resurgence hmm. in your career. All of a sudden, at 48, you're playing some of the best golf of your career. You almost beat Victor Hovland a couple of years later in Dubai in a playoff. Yeah. Victor's one of the best players in the world. What was it? Was it the validation that you all of a sudden had this realization, Blandy, where you went, wait a minute. Yeah. I am good. Yeah. I can do this. It is just golf. I am just playing the game the way everybody else. They might have different toolboxes. We, we You and I were talking about this privately yesterday. You're not going to outdrive Bryson DeChambeau. You're not going to do some things that other players can't, but you've got to look at your game and go, okay, these are the things I'm good at. And I think it's interesting. You said this to me privately yesterday and you just said it earlier when we started, you wouldn't change anything. No. And out of your entire career, most people would go, okay, I would go back and make changes. Given the career that you had and, and the success that you've been lucky enough to have, why do you say looking back, that you wouldn't change anything. You know, you've got to, you've got to love the, uh, you know, just, just, just the journey that you're on. You know, I, I've, I've made some great friends along the way. 
Um, of course, you know, of course, no professional golfer wants to play poorly and lose a card and that kind of thing. So, yeah, of course, I would love to be able to change that. I don't have to go through that, of course. But, um, and, you know, you could kind of go like, there's, there's some things, not necessarily I would change, but if you went back, you might, you know what, I would have maybe started doing that a little bit earlier, you know, but like, you know, like I joked with you yesterday, you know, you know, my school report always just said, yeah, he's a bit of a slow learner, that kind of thing. And, and I guess I, I kind of brought that into golf and, um, but you know, you know, like we said yesterday, you know, you've seen some, you know, we've seen some superstars that kind of peak early and then they're, they're not, the play, they're not playing no. anymore, yeah. you know? So to have maybe my success later in my career, okay. You know, that, 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 that's, that's, that's how it's happened for me. And, and, and I'm grateful for that. So, um, you know, yeah, of course, someone's saying we, we'd love to win in our fourth event, of course, you know, but I think sometimes that's, it's not always a good thing. You know, we've, we've talked about players that won early in their career and suddenly they've got all this money and, and, and you're a young lad and you're a single lad and it's very, very easy to go out and, yeah, you, you, th you think everything, well, I'm, I'm now just going to go, I'm set now for life. I'm going to be on tour for the rest of my life. And, and, and they kind of probably feel like they don't have to improve anymore. Whereas you do, you have to try and improve every single day, you know, because that's just how good the standard is. And, um, you know, and, and yeah, I, I'm just, I'm grateful that it, 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 it did come for me later in my career. You know, there are players that have played for 20 years, never won, never won, you know, and so fortunately I'm, I'm, I'm now not in that bracket, but, like like you said before it, it it's so hard to win it is you know back probably in and i'm not taking anything away from the era of years ago there's probably only maybe 10 or 15 guys you really my had dad to says it a lot my dad said when he played the tour in the early 70s you know he was still playing on tour when it was non-exempt he always says listen i knew i wasn't as good as the best players we knew we were just making up kind of the 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 field we knew we had no chance to win because Everybody, the top stars, Jack and those boys back then, they were just so much better than everybody else. Now, and I and you probably, and I'd be interested to get your perspective on this because this is something I've touched on in the past. Why is it, do you think, this new generation of players come out and they are ready and do win early? Because yeah. when you turned pro in, in the early part of the 2000s, you had to be an apprentice. You yeah. had to figure yeah. out I think. it's going to take you two, three years to win. Yeah. And there was that mentality that mm. you had to learn your craft. Why is it that you see so many... This Ludwig Eberg, I mean, this kid looks like he can't miss. Yeah. And to do what he's done... I mean, last year at this time, he's playing college golf... And now he's played in a Ryder Cup, he's won a tournament, and he's never even played in a major. You must have seen a shift every single year in the in the talent. Oh, definitely. That's coming. Do you feel like the players have more tools in the toolbox now? What is it that you see after being on tour for over 20 years that you see with this younger generation that just seem to come out with mm. zero fear and they just are not afraid to win early. Yeah, I, th I think, you know, I, I've, I've said it to a lot of young guys that, you know, when I was playing amateur golf, 
in the early 90s playing for England and that kind of thing. We, we, we never had fitness coaches or psychologists or anything like that. We didn't have trackmans or launch monitors. Um, you dug it out of the dirt. You, yeah, you just, you, you just, right, okay. You've, and coaching, you know, you, you and, and I'm sure, you know, your dad can say the same thing. Coaching has is, is, is come on that much. You have to know an awful lot more than what you used to. You have to understand how machines work, this, that, and the other, biomechanics, all this, what have you. And I just think, I think golfers are just, they're bred differently now. And I mean by that is that you look at, you look at Tiger's boy, Charlie, he's probably now, he's, you know, he's doubled in size in the last year. When we saw him at the last uh, father-son tournament, he's probably in the gym with his dad every single morning. He's not the average probably, as a as a build, the 14-year-old kid or however old he is. You know, he probably takes his shirt off. He probably looks like an 18-year-old. Yeah, he does. You know? So it, it's, it's that's, you, that's how it is now. You know, and, and I think Tiger changed that. You know, that, that we had this this guy that came along that was just better in every single way in golf. So everybody had to go, right, what is he doing? And we have to we have to now keep up. You're of that generation. People forget. They look at Tiger now, and a lot of people never really saw Tiger play, right? They never saw him um, play golf. They saw it on Golf Channel. They've seen it in reruns and stuff. But you were part of that generation playing on the European tour when Tiger would come over two or three times a year. He'd play in the he'd obviously play in the Open Championship, but he'd come to Dubai and then he was on that circuit where he was playing at the Deutsche Bank, which was in Germany. So he was coming over there. There was no YouTube. There really wasn't an internet. So you were seeing him for the first time. And as a golfer as an, and as an athlete, as you mentioned, he was 180 degree turn from what golfers used to look like. Yeah. Do you remember when you saw Tiger for the first time at a tournament? What was the year and what did you think? Uh, I can't remember the... F I, I, I remember he... he I, Obviously, I saw him at the Deutsche Bank, but I didn't really see him play. But I watched him practice once Beat in Monty Dubai. In a, in a playoff yeah. one year. But I watched him practice for about 45 minutes in Dubai. I remember I had to... I, I can't remember if you've been to the, the Emirates. The, the, there was a workshop in one of the small majlists. Um, there was always the workshop there. And I needed a putter regrouping. And the guys just said, look, we're a bit busy. Come back in 45 minutes. I said, yeah, okay, no problem. And as I was walking out and come out onto the back of the range, literally Tiger had just arrived. Steve Williams just put the bag down. Tiger just, and I just went like, no one around. I'm just kind of like, okay. And I'm probably seven, eight yards behind. I just sit on the grass, beautiful, about one o'clock in the afternoon. And I just watched the most unbelievable 45 minutes of practice I, I, I've ever seen. I, it was, it was, you can't hit. It, he didn't miss a shot. You, I mean, did you, not you miss a shot. We didn't, you didn't see players like no. that. You didn't see players that look like that. You didn't see players that had speed like that. And Tiger had this aura around him. Yeah. I don't know if he created that or we around him created it, but you felt you were in the presence of oh. something different. It was crazy. Like you say, he just didn't miss a shot for 45 minutes. And I mean, draws, fades. I mean, exactly the same shot every single time. It wasn't, if he's hitting a draw, 
it was a five-yard draw. And then the next one was a five-yard draw. It wasn't, oh, he'd hit one dead straight and then one had overdraw a little bit and then one he got puffed. It was the same every single time. And then he just opened himself up and hit exactly the same shot just the other way. Just a five-yard cut, five-yard cut, same flight, same trajectory. I mean, do you, as a golfer, you're just standing there going like, you, you can't, you can't, do that any better you know I, I assume it must be like an artist and you're watching yeah picasso paint picasso paint you know you go I, I i i can't do that i can't do that and and i remember i walked off and i i, I remember bumping into tim and and i just said we can't win this week you can't win you can't beat that over 72 holes you can't you, you cannot beat that unless he somehow self-destructs you can't beat that over 70 tolls. I'm sorry, you just you can't do it. It was just on a level that I didn't even think existed. And uh, I, I assume that was, I don't know if that was, I think it was whether your dad was still with him or he'd gone over to Hank. I'm not too sure. I think it was early 2000s. When did, when did, when did, when did they had, uh, T-Dub and my dad, 2002. It was the last year they worked together. Right, okay. So I assume it was probably maybe later than that. And I mean, listen. But even still. You there's know, a, there's an not, argument to be made. There's always this argument about Tiger's yeah. golf swing, who was better under my dad or Hank. I mean, obviously. Uh, in, I'm, my, in my opinion, and I'm not just saying it because it's, you know, I'm sat here with you. Tiger in 2000. Yeah, from, was, I mean, from an aesthetic standpoint. But then you look at, I mean, it's, I always think that Hank gets, Hank gets a, a bad deal because the winning percentage and the golf he played when he was with Hank, the win rate was higher. I mean, it just, it was exceptional yeah. as well. But I think Tiger will always kind of be thought of in that golden era of right around 2000, when he, when he Tiger slam. Blew fields away. I mean, blew them away, you know? So I guess, I, you know, I'm, I'm old school. I'm a purist, you know, in 2000, I, I love the way that Tiger swung the golf club. It was athletic. It was just power. And he, I, yeah, I would say he drove the ball better under your dad than he did with Hank. Yeah, Way I'd, better. I'd say that. But he was you trying know. to drive it pretty, pretty so, straight. Uh, but yeah, you know, he, he, he just, he came along and he, and he just changed the, the landscape completely of golf. And, and I've probably got, you know, we, we've all got to be thankful for it. We, we're all, better off for it we're all probably in better shape for it um because we've we've had to we've had to change the way we go about working on our games working on ourselves you know and then maybe that's you know the help me in the longevity that right okay because looking after yourself a little bit more has helped you you know keep keep your career going yeah injury prevention yeah that's you know and like, like i said to you yesterday now you know i'm not trying to look you know i know i can't compete with bryson off the tee and dj and that kind of and that's fine you know but for me it's about staying can i if i can pick up a mile or two that's fine but it, it's at, 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 as we all know as mother nature kind of catches up on you is i don't want that drop off yeah you know, if i can keep my ball speed up around 170 171 which okay yes is below average but it's it's far enough. It is far enough, you know. Especially when you play in nice conditions, you can still get it out there, three hundred, three ten off the tee. So most par fours you're breaking the back of. Um, yeah, of course. But I'd all like, we'd all like to hit it three thirty, three forty. Yeah, of course we do. But um, if you probably look at most 
old school players or guys that have been around for a long time don't hit it that far. I know Harrington's probably a bit of a, and Phil yeah. still do. Yeah. Um, Ernie maybe because of his size, but. But if you look at probably Lee, you look at, you know, I've played a bit with Lee the last couple of years. I've played with Poults the last couple of years. Stenson, you know, it, it's about, it, can you, as long as you can kind of hold that drop off, you know, if you can kind of keep that at bay, then, you know, I think, you know, you can, you can still compete. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Okay, I love Walker Hayes. He's amazing. He's so fun. Such a great entertainer. And that's why I'm so excited that JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. The Walker Hayes for JCPenney collection is an upbeat playlist of instant classics with laid-back appeal and down-home vibes. As a dad of seven kids, he knows exactly what fathers want and need when it comes to their style. This collection reflects his casually cool styles with outdoor-inspired details and versatile colors. Perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man, along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th. Just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. This is Colin Coward from The Herd with Colin Cowherd. Angie's List is now Angie, the nation's largest home service marketplace. They're here to help homeowners get all their jobs done well. Angie has helped over 150 million homeowners care for their homes. Whatever your home project, big, small, indoor, outdoor, come to Angie to connect with and hire skilled pros to get the job done well. Listen, I've got a couple of things in a bathroom in my house. Gotta get it fixed. I don't have time and I'm not good at it. Angie is. In just a few taps, in the Angie app or clicks on the site. You can have Angie tackle your home service project start to finish. With over 200,000 pros in their network, Angie makes it easy to research, compare, and hire pros to ensure a job done well. With 29 years of experience combined with new digital tools to simplify the process, Angie makes completing home projects really easy. Renters, you can use Angie too for moving, installations, or cleaning. Angie can even help with extremely specific projects. Just tell them what you need, and Angie will find the right solution for you. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I.com, or download the app today. So much over the last um, couple of years, the golf landscape has changed. You were one of the players that made the decision to go to live Um Talk me through that decision, um, why you decided to do it, and um, what you've been surprised at over the last couple of years. First of all, the decision to go to live, how did it come about, and why did you make that decision? Um, yeah, I, was, I remember I was playing Lee Westwood in the match play at, uh, in Texas, and we were walking down the second, and obviously there, there was rumors of the live thing, and 
and and, and this is Saudi post League. Tiger or t post Phil making all his comments in Alan Shipnock's yeah. book and everything. So and this is yeah. So this is this is live. No, so now Liv's got no momentum, right? Yeah. So this is it's you just know, whispers it, it, yeah, about it, it. It's 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 you know it's kind of will it won't it kind of thing. And Lee said to me, "We're going down about the second or the third, and we we're just having a chat." And he says, "Have you had any contact from uh, from Greg yet?" And I said, "No." I said, "Why would he want to talk to me?" He's gone, Blandy. You're you know you're top fifty five in the world. They're going to want to talk to you." And I went like, "Really?" And okay, so I kind of like just got on and played and didn't really think too much of it. And then kind of like um, spoke to my manager at the time and just sort of said, look, you know, is it worth a comp trying to get a conversation and see? And they came back and they said, yeah, you know, we, you know, we're, we, we would be very interested. And, you know, and I, and I talked it over with my wife and, you know, my family. And I said, look, there's this opportunity here that, um, you know, you can't turn down at 49 years old. Yes, I've had a a decent longevity on on, on DP World in the last couple of years. Yes, I'd earned some nice money, but it's still not, you know, all oh, right, that's it. I can completely stop playing and never have to do anything else for the rest of my life. Not even close. I mean, not even close. And, you know, and I, and I, talked to my wife quite a lot about it and i said to her I said, Look, are, are you okay with this I, you know we know the the human rights sort of side of saudi is not good and and i said yeah have you got a problem with this and she said look at the end of the day you playing golf no matter where you play golf in the world isn't going to change that she said so you know you have to do what you think is right and for the best and and, and as soon as she said that then for me it was it was absolutely there was I was a hundred percent. I was, it's a no brainer. My age of my career and that stage of my career, I don't know how long I got left. I didn't know. You know, I could be, I could lose my card the next year. And, uh, so right. Okay. Okay. It might be a one year thing. It might be, uh, I never signed a contract with live. Um, the first contract I signed with them was at the start of 2023. Yeah. I've never signed for a dollar. Because um, everybody thinks... I never had any up money from... Everyone thinks that everybody that went to live got the bag, right? They, they'd made all this money. Yeah, there are guys that did that. But there were also people like yourself that made the decision at the age you were at yeah. to go. Were you... And have you been surprised at the backlash? Uh, I kind of... Yeah, we all knew it wasn't going to sit very well. You know, as soon as you start kind of upsetting the apple cart as such, yeah, you know, it's going to put some noses out. And, uh, you know, I, I think looking back to London, the first event, I think some of the questions that the media um, put across to some of the players, you know, fortunately, I wasn't one of them. Yeah, I mean, they were they were shocking. They were dreadful. They were disgusting questions to be asked. Um, and, um, you know, when... You know, if there's a World Cup in Saudi Arabia in a few years or whatever, those, those journalists will be out there. Every one of them. You know, they, they, they'll be they'll out. just be doing their job. Exactly. You know, and exactly what we're doing. You know, we're just doing our job. There's an opportunity there to do your job for more money. Um, like you say, it, it's not everybody's decision, and that that that's that's entirely up to them. But. All you can do is you you have to make the best decision for you and your family going forward. Whether that agrees with 
you know, some people, um, that's them. You know, I, I got I got some stick on social media, and I remember replying to one guy. It was just rubbing me up the wrong way one day. And I just said, look, I said, if I turn up to your house with a briefcase with $5 million in that briefcase, and I tell you, right, this is where the money's come from. I said, there it is, tax-free. It's yours. But that's where it's come from. The briefcase would be on the other side of the door, and my hand would be still be in the door. Because they're not in that situation. It's not there in front of them. It's very, very easy to take the moral high ground. It is. We've all done it, probably. But, you know, when that situation is there, you go, right, I've got the chance here to make my life, my wife's life, and my family's life very, very comfortable for the next however, I, however long. At 49 years old, I, I'd, I'd, I'd need locking away, really, if I didn't take it. You know, and I would. And, and, and I will say it's the best decision I've ever made. Yeah, I've absolutely loved it. And I've loved the innovation of Liv and how it is trying to, you know, make golf cool again. You know, and, I, and, and, and when we played in London, I felt like a rookie again at 49. I did. I felt like a rookie. And, and, I, and, I, and I really do thank Liv. It's made me a better player because I'm playing against Bryson. I'm playing against DJ. I'm playing against Brooks. I'm playing against Cam. I'm playing against them 15 times a year. Yep. It's made me a better player. And you're, you're on Martin Keimer's the, uh, the cliques, um, having access to a guy, I mean, Martin Keimer could be the most unassuming two-time major champion that's also won the player's champion you could ever meet. I think because Martin's such a nice person, yeah. such a genuine, genuine human being, that you sometimes forget how great a player oh. he was. You can't win two majors and phone it in. I mean, I mean, if you look at the places that he's won, Right, winning U.S. Open at Pinehurst, which was brutal, and then the way they had Whistling Straits set up, and then to win at the Players as well. Last year, you, you got to spend a lot of time with Martin. There were times where he was healthy. There's times where he wasn't. But what have you taken away from your time and your experience with a great player like Martin? Yeah, I, I, you know, I just think he's very. Uh, yeah, he's, he's just, you can see, he's just very, very cool under pressure. Um, and, you know, I think he's got tremendous sort of self-belief in himself. And, 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 and you know, you talk to him about, you know, a, a, a few things. You know, I, I was just with him a few days ago. And it was, I think the, the US Open's going back to Pinehurst again this year, isn't it? And it was interesting. I, we was uh, having dinner one night and I and I just was just chatting to him about that week. Um and, as, you know, it was just interesting talking to him about, you know, when did you really feel like, you know, you right, okay, I've got this. I've got it done. And it was quite, he was telling a funny story. I think he was like, I think he said on like, he hit his tee shot on 15 or something like that. And he's, uh, and he hit, I think he hit like two iron off the tee. And then he hit his second shot into about 15 feet with a three iron. And he's gone, he was walking up to the green going, right, okay, that's it. I'm good now. And he three putts. <laughs> And he, he was, and he was, and it was like, it was so interesting. Then he's Isn't that like, funny? As soon yeah. as you think, and he's got on like, the golf course, as soon as you think, okay, I'm yeah. safe now. Yeah. I've got it. Someone holds a bunker shot. You make a bad swing out of nowhere because yeah. you go to that mindset of going, okay, I've got this. Yeah. And it sometimes can really, really kind of switch the other way. Yeah. And he's, he's, and he, and he actually quite openly talked about the time, you know, I think he, he went on to win by seven or eight or something like that. 
but he talked about the time in Abu Dhabi when he had a 10-shot lead, I think, with 12 to play and lost um, to Gary Stahl. And, uh, and it was interesting that. That, he, that, that he talked about quite Still a lot. Still remembers it. Yeah, that how he... You know, that he was just going along, everything was kind of great and, you know, just right. And thinking, well, okay, this is just, you know, just kind of get it into the house and take the trophy. Thanks very much. And I think he made, um, I think he made a six or something on the, on the ninth or something like that. And, and I think Gary then made birdie. So it was like a three shot swing there. And then he made, I think he made a, a triple on 13 where then he makes a birdie on the very like next hole. So suddenly it's a four shot swing. Yeah. And he said, he said, I just couldn't stop it. I just literally fit. I was trying everything, but it just, I just could not kind of, you know, and someone as, as good as Martin was, you know, world number one and major winners and what have you that, you know, it happens, it, you know, it, it, it does happen. And, um, but yeah, he's just, he's just a, uh, you know, he's just one of those guys that, you know, sometimes he doesn't, give you a whole lot but what he gives you is good stuff it, it's good stuff you know and and at the end of the day you know we've all I, i've been around the block enough that yeah i i know what you know i know what i've got to do you know i don't really need i shouldn't really need any sort of pep talking now to right come on guys you know you, know, you should be you, if that should just come from within yourself but uh yeah he's he, like you say he's just he's just a cool guy to be around and uh and, and that's one again. One of the other things I think I, I've just loved with Liv that you've got to know players so much more because you're around in that team environment. Um, you know, I've got to know G Mac a lot, a lot more. Bern Wiesberger last year, Laurie Cantor, who's been on the cliques a little bit. But you know, you, you're also around all the other guys where everybody's at the course at the same time, and you, you and uh, and it, it, it just it really is just a, a great atmosphere to be around and to play golf. In. I think I've said this a lot of times. I was lucky enough to kind of start my career on the traveling circus in the early 2000s. That was the European tour back in the day. And Liv reminds me a lot of what the European tour used to be, right? It was kind of this traveling circus. It went all over the world and things like that. Um, Keith Pelley has just resigned from running the DP World Tour, the, the old European tour, You've been on live for the last, this will now be your third year, but you are a European tour guy. That is, you didn't, you didn't play in America. You never left and moved to Florida and played the, the PGA tour and did both. So the European tour was your home. Yeah. Um, obviously, Keith Pelly moving on. Um, sounds like Guy Kinnings, who was the longtime agent for Monty and everybody at IMG. He's now going to take over that role. Um what happens in your opinion now to the European tour? Um, because there is, there is this argument now that I think you can make this, that with the alignment and the partnership that the European tour that Keith and Jay forged together, now every year the top 10 players off, the Europe, off of the DP world will go to the PGA tour. Um, where do you see the European tour going and where would you want it to go? Uh, yeah, I, th I think Keith has done a lot of good for the tour. I think he has. Um, you know, was I a fan of where I where he was taking the tour in the last maybe two years, partnering up with 
with America, no, I wasn't. Um, and why not? I just, like again. I just I, I always go back to. I remember when he first came in as CEO. Um, he gave his first player full player address at PJ Catalunya. I can't remember what year it was. When it, whenever the first year he was, he was in charge. PJ Catalunya, and he basically we were then going to partner up with Asia. Yeah, it was going to be the Asian tour. And he he was basically saying that America is hostile. America is our rival, and we have to compete with them. As far as I was concerned, that was the whole idea of the Rolex series, is to play for $7 million, pretty much what that America PJ Tour were playing at the time, is to try and keep our best players in Europe to play bigger events. Um, but yet we still just, you know, in, in some ways they we, we bowed down to whether it be player power that, right, they want to go play in America, and we made it easier for them to go play in America, that we cut our playing uh, minimums down. You know, I think it's now that you only have to play, what is it, two or three events outside of the majors to... Oh. You've got, you've got um, guys that... I mean, you've got guys going to the race to Dubai at the end of the year, leading the, the, the <laughs> European Order of Merit that have legit other than some of the co-sanctioned and the majors have played in maybe yeah. two, two events. legit real standalone. And you can take Abu Dhabi and Dubai out of that equation, right? They are not the, those are the ones historically that have, we're talking like a regular P, European old school DP world tournament. Mm. The guys that every year are winning this are playing the majority of their golf on the PGA tour. Yeah right? A lot of these guys live the majority of the year in America. And I still remember to where, I mean, I started working on the European tour in the early 2000s. I've had on the podcast, he's a good friend of mine, Trevor Immelman. Yeah. Trevor, um, we Justin Rose, Poltz, yep. Adam Scott. They used the European tour to go over and win on the European tour to then be the springboard hmm. to get them top 50. And because top 50 back in the day was the Holy Grail. Yeah. Right. If you were top 50 in the world, regardless of which tour you played on, you got into all the majors, you got into all the WGCs, you got into the players championship, and then you got most likely if you were winning, you're probably going to get an invite into Honda, yeah. an invite into Bay Hill, one of the big tournaments. But back then, those guys... Rosie, Scotty, Poltz, that kind of generation, they won European tour events, real European tour events, not co-sanctioned ones, not Dubai, Abu Dhabi. They won rank-and-file European tour events. That's, it. I That's think how they got to America. Now it seems like the way to get European tour membership is to play in all the majors, win one of them, and then go play one tournament, hmm. go play Scotland, which is now co-sanctioned, but you're not playing a full European school. I remember, you know, it's easy to beat up on Patrick Reed, right? Patrick Reed makes it sometimes easy for people to beat him up, yeah. right? But Patrick Reed has played a lot on the DP World Tour in the last five years. Yeah, I think he I think I, I spoke to him. I think he said he's played he's played more tour, more regular dp world events than, than what rory has yeah in the last however long yeah and it's you know i i don't know you know, i'm kind of maybe spitballing here a little bit but if 
you didn't have to be a DP World member, you know, to play Ryder Cup. Would they even come back? I don't know. Um, uh, well, I remember not. at Medina. Maybe, maybe they wouldn't. The you know, they might come back for maybe play Dubai or, you know, and Rory maybe play the Irish or something like that. But I, I, I don't know. Maybe they wouldn't. The miracle at Medina where the European Ryder Cup team had the massive comeback. Olaf Thobble's the captain. They win it for Seve. But on the Sunday morning, it looked like they were going to get beat and they were going to get beat bad. And I remember thinking, Blandy, is this kind of, if they do get beat, is this kind of the final nail in the coffin? Because the majority, if not 90% of that Ryder Cup team for the European tour all flew to Chicago from America. They didn't fly from Europe because they all lived in America. They were all playing on the PGA Tour. They were all making their homes in America. And I remember thinking if they go on to lose this, this it's not the it's not Europe against America. It's the um, it's the European base players that left the European Tour to come to the PGA Tour for the money for the bigger tournaments. They're the ones making up this Ryder Cup yeah, I think it's it's a hard one that I think the 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 Ryder Cup selection is how you balance yeah you know, because it is a European it is a European team and it is a you know a, a, and it a, is a, run and you by have the to, European tour and you have to you, you know maybe someone that you know and I've like I, I think you, you it's how you how do you split it you know from a, say like a world ranking list or world points list to the DP World Order of Merit Points list of who gets in and however. You know, my point is you, you had a guy last year who's third in DP World um, Points list um, on, on the yearly list, and he's not in the, he's not in the Ryder Cup. He's third, Adrian Moronk. Yeah. And he's won at that venue that year, and he's not in. You know, so... I. <laughs> that that kind of didn't really sit right and that just shows you then that really the 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 kind of race to dubai list is is completely irrelevant doesn't matter do the world or the world yeah, you're rankings you're irrelevant probably, right now oh, in 2024 hugely, hugely you know i think that's one of the things that really really sticks in my side is is how you know i don't know what kind of say keith has had in in that i know you know he can't vote on it or whatever but to stand there and go right okay guys you know they, they've put this they must have put this proposal together to go right now this is what's going to happen as regards the world ranking and someone has gone like hang on a second that is just not fair you know how can you have like our major which is the bmw pj championship in september where you have a lot of the top 10 players in the world, certainly probably four or five of them, Ram and Rory and Tommy and Fitzy, all playing. And you can have a tournament in America where the FedEx is done. The FedEx is done. So that it's, and they're playing for more points. I, that I don't, I don't get. And it was exactly the same at the DP World Championships at the end of the year, our tour championship. The, the same tournament in America is playing for more world points. Is playing for more world ranking points. How that can be allowed, I've got no idea. It is all, if you are a DP world player now, I think it's almost impossible to get into the top 50 in the world. 
unless you probably win six times. Yeah. Well, I think if I, I was talking to Cho Min Thut because he, he, he's the uh, commissioner and chairman of the Asian tour. And we were talking about Tom Kim and, and Tom Kim's kind of meteoric rise to the PGA tour. But the, the road that he took in coming from Asia and then coming to Europe and then getting to the PGA Joe was saying those stories won't happen anymore. And it does increasingly seem as we stand in 2024 that without the framework of an agreement between Liv and the PGA Tour, like you said, it seems like the only way to, to get into all of the big tournaments, it's, to me, it seems like it's going the route that, well, unless you play on the PGA Tour... There is no real pathway for you to really make the jump that a lot of people have made. And again, I use Adam Scott I, I, and Trevor Inland. I worked with both of them in the early 2000s, and the holy grail for them was get top 50 in the world. That gets you into the players. That gets you into some of the WGCs. Then you can start to make this move. That's kind of the base camp that then you can make the jump to go to the PGA Tour. And... It does seem like right now, the world, it seems like if you're not on live, the world is basically trying to become 100% PGA Tour centric. Now, Blandy, what do you say to the fans and the people listening to this podcast saying, you, you left the European Tour. The European Tour gave you a platform for 20 years. You left to further your career, right? For what was better for you. So your opinion on what happens with the European tour is invalid anymore because you basically left to go do something else. Because there are people that say that. Yeah, of course. And I, and I completely get it. But of course, there's one thing in life we're always allowed, and that's your opinion. Everybody has one. You know. So whether my opinion, people want to listen to it or they don't, that's... You know, I'm not going to lose any sleep over that. Um, you know, my opinion is I, I, I certainly don't like the way it's going. And like you say, giving 10 of your best players away every single year is, for me, is a recipe to disaster. I, I, I relate it to my football team, Southampton. Yeah, they had so my, my, many good... My father-in-law is a season <laughs> ticket holder. You know, they gave away for, you know, they, they sold all their best players. Okay, you know, because a Liverpool or a Man United or a Man City would come in for them and pay for an awful lot of money for them. Now they're in the championship. And at some point, at some point, yes, you can kind of keep your head above water for a while, but, you know, you're not replacing like for like. You have someone like Nikolai Hoygaard, who's got one of those spots, going to the PJ Tour this year. And this, is, and this is no disrespect to the guys that have come from Challenge Tour. That is not the same level. It's not the same level of player that you're replacing. The, the 10 or 15 guys that are coming from Challenge Tour is not replacing not those the at caliber. the same level. Not, it's not the same caliber. It isn't. So, uh, so you are just watering down your talent the whole time. And, and that, I think, in the future, for future sponsorship, is going to hurt the tour. Because, again, no disrespect to um, any player that's playing on the DP World. They're all really good players. They are. I'm not, I don't dispute that at all. The standard is incredibly high. But unless you have got marquee players, people that, right, okay, I'm going to go watch that guy. The, 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 where's, the, where's the return for the sponsors? They're just going to go, unless you're going to give me 
X, Y, and Z, you know, of a player. And of course, then you've got to pay them to, to come back and play. And it, it's, uh, I, I, I'm just not a fan of that. I'm just not a fan of giving your, your, your 10 best players. If you, I kind of, it frightens me that so right over the next five years, if this does carry on, you're going to give your best 50 players to the PJ tour. Now, yes, I, some will come back. Not all 50 players are going to keep their card, but, but it's kind of like the way, kind of the way, it, you know, I, I would almost go, if I was a 26, 27 year old guy and I've played good on the DP world tour and I've got my card in America and I go play and I don't keep my card and I maybe just miss out and I've got full corn ferry status. I would almost probably go at that age. I'll, I'll, I'll stay in America. And not go back. And not go back, you know, because let's face it, <laughs> you know, I know you can say that they're playing for more money in in Europe than they ever have, but, you know, I think, you know, you read between the lines, you know, PJ Tour is propping an awful lot of that up. Um, that, yeah, I, 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 and, I and, it, and it's a sad way to think about it. And it's a sad opinion to have, and it is, and I wish I didn't have it, but... Um, I, I really do hope that, you know, it gets sorted out and, and I just, I somehow, I just fear that the, the DP world could be in some ways left behind. I, I really do. And I hope, I hope Guy comes in and he's stronger, uh, maybe in that area than maybe Keith was. Um, like you say, I think, I think Keith did an awful lot of good for the tour. You know, I don't think probably the last 18 months, two years of his sort of tenure has been, you know, his best. Um, but, you know, it is what it is. And, uh, you know, and I know some people might go that I'm maybe a part of that because I went to live. But <laughs> I could also say that, you know, uh, and Keith knows he said this to me when I had a meeting with him. He said, Blandy, if I was in your position, I would go. And that was our CEO of the DP World at the time. He said to me, he said, if I was in your position, I would go. So, And he was know, right. Yeah, like you say, you know, it's it's the best decision I've ever made, and I'm a better player for it. And uh, no regrets. And, I, and I'm oh none, none whatsoever. At Bed Three Six Five, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Okay, I love Walker Hayes. He's amazing. He's so fun. Such a great entertainer. And that's why I'm so excited that JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. The Walker Hayes for JCPenney Collection is an upbeat playlist of instant classics with laid-back appeal and down-home vibes. As a dad of seven kids, he knows exactly what fathers want and need when it comes to their style. This collection reflects his casually cool styles with outdoor-inspired details and versatile colors. Perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man, along with the quality, durability, and sensibility Dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th. Just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count.
This is Colin Coward from The Herd with Colin Cowherd. Angie's list is now Angie, the nation's largest home service marketplace. They're here to help homeowners get all their jobs done well. Angie has helped over 150 million homeowners care for their homes. Whatever your home project, big, small, indoor, outdoor, come to Angie to connect with and hire skilled pros to get the job done well. Listen, I've got a couple of things in a bathroom in my house. Gotta get it fixed. I don't have time, and I'm not good at it. Angie is. In just a few taps in the Angie app or clicks on the site. You can have Angie tackle your home service project start to finish. With over 200,000 pros in their network, Angie makes it easy to research, compare, and hire pros to ensure a job done well. With 29 years of experience combined with new digital tools to simplify the process, Angie makes completing home projects really easy. Renters, you can use Angie too for moving, installations, or cleaning. Angie can even help with extremely specific projects. Just tell them what you need, and Angie will find the right solution for you. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I.com, or download the app today. Lastly, 2024, what are the goals for you? I mean, obviously, you know, you're setting goals in, you know, you're 51. What are the goals? Are the goals to keep improving or the goals to win because obviously we were talking about this yesterday as well at your stage of your life your career your body your game you have to pick and i mean there's courses that are going to set up well for you and courses that are going to set up well for other players what are the goals for this year yeah um you know i i know to be you know to, if i want to play on live in 2025 i'm gonna have to play some seriously good golf you know i know a lot of a lot of people think oh it's everybody's out on live that's washed up and this that and the other that's just bs you know you have to even to finish top 15 on a live event you have to play some serious golf you have to and if you finish in the top 10 you've played some unbelievable golf that's my opinion and so yeah so for me if i can play i would like to think if i can play two more years i think that would be me probably riding off into the sunset you know um you know my brother's gone through cancer this last sort of 12 months and i want to i want to enjoy the rest of my life you know of course i'll still be around golf i'll still play golf i might even play a few senior events here and there you know have i got any ambition to play sort of seniors in europe i haven't to be honest um and then do i want to maybe play champions and start playing 25 26 tournaments again i don't think i do you know so it's a lot of travel um yeah i love playing in america um you know but you know we're happy where we are um so yeah i, th I think if i could play through 2025 i think that would be you know i'd be sort of retiring a very happy man so you know but that doesn't mean to say that this year i'm going to give it everything i've possibly got yeah, you know, I'm a I'm a hundred I'm an all in guy. You know, I can't do anything half heartedly. Um, you know, I, I'm behind the eight ball anyway. When you're playing against DJ and Brooks every every round, so you know I've got to be um, at my best. You know, most of the time, and that's what's made me a better player. It that's just it just that has to come out of me. So um, yeah, I'm going to do everything I can to to be playing in 2025. Um, yeah, of course, I'd love to be coming down the stretch um, with one of those guys fighting it out. I hope it happens. Um, 
but yeah, you know, it's um, I'm sort of more also, you know, I, I can kind of see the end of the road a little bit more now, which I kind of like the look of as well. So, uh, you know, but we'll see, you know, I, I've always sort of said, I'll, you know, I'll cross that bridge as well when I come to it. You know, my wife says, oh, you'll never retire. But, you know, I've had like a nice sort of two, three months off and I didn't really miss it too much. <laughs> so but you know now i'm back in kind of practice mode and you know i'm here at the floridian with you practicing and for the next couple of weeks and it's it does kind of get the juices flowing again i can say that so uh but yeah you know i'm excited to play in 2024 um i'm exactly where i want to be i'm playing on the tour i want to play on regardless of the financial side of it i just i just love playing live i think it's great i really do does your football team, Southampton, do they get back to the premiership? My my father-in-law, Mike McCleary, I mean, he goes to the games. He sits there in the rain. He's devastated. They're in the championship. Do they get back to the premiership, Blandy? Well, they're on a good run right now. I think they're about 18 and 19 unbeaten. And I think we play Sheffield Wednesday tonight, who are like... 19th so it's now in Southampton this is probably and we're at home so this is pro I probably now we're going to lose 3-0 <laughs> um I think it's tough it's going to be tough to get an automatic but have to go back through the playoffs you, know, you look at Leicester Leicester look really strong Ipswich yeah they have kind of I think we could maybe nick a second but I would probably yeah I think if someone offered you the playoff spots right now I think you'd you'd take it I think you'd take it, you know, it, it, I think it's always the same with uh, being a Saints fan, you know, even though it, even though it's quite good at the minute, you know, they did it at the start of the season, they had a good start and then they lose four in a row. So, uh, you know, hopefully they can keep the run going, but, uh, you know, it's just whether the squad is strong enough and big enough um, to get through, you know, 46 games is an awful lot of, a lot of football in the season. So I hope so. I hope so. But uh there's always that sort of bit of pessimistic uh, view when you're a Saints fan. So uh, we'll, we'll see. I am learning. I am learning that well, having um, a Saints uh, supporter in the family. Yeah, Blandy, ask me that question in about three months, and I might be able to give you a better answer. Great stuff. Um, have a great year. Thanks for talking to us. Cheers, Claude. Thank you, bud. So that was Richard Bland. And listen, he's definitely somebody I root for, right? I, I think that his story, um, how long it took him to find his first win, to find that success. Um, yeah, it's easy to, to categorize someone like Richard as a journeyman. But if you are a journeyman, it means that you're still seeking, but it also means that you're still on this journey playing professional golf. And there are a lot of people at Richard's age that, are packing it in that, that that aren't playing anymore. He's still playing. I'm excited to see what he can do in 2024. And I think it's important that we hear from superstars, from regular golfers, and from people that are just making their career playing professional golf. And I think Richard's got a very, very good story. Thanks everyone for listening. Son of a Butch comes to you every Wednesday. We are back next week. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off, grand slam, or a base hit to center field. 
Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. You deserve a moment to yourself every single day. And a delicious bite of a Keebler Sandies can give you that comforting pause. Take a pause from your to-do list with the melt-in-your-mouth magic of a Keebler Sandies. This magic is baked into simple shortbread cookies by Ernie and the Keebler Elves. So as life continues to fly by, make the most of your me moment. Take a pause and enjoy a Keebler Sandies. What do the most successful growing businesses have in common? They're working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started. Awards Watch says Liam Neeson is at his best. Don't miss In the Land of Saints and Sinners. Having left his dark past behind, retired hitman Finbar Murphy, played by Neeson, leads a quiet life in a remote coastal Irish town. But when a menacing crew of terrorists arrive, Finbar is drawn into a vicious game of cat and mouse, forcing him to choose between exposing his secret identity or defending his friends and neighbors. In the land of saints and sinners, from Samuel Goldwyn Films and Sony Pictures Home Entertainment, watch it now on digital. Rated R.